Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Mark Scorsone. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you on your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Um... You don't know a lot about me, but Joanne and I have been married for 37 years. We have uh, three grown children, but better than that, we have four grandchildren, which we're just totally, totally excited about. And because uh, we knew how good grandchildren were, uh, we would have had them first, okay? Because uh, it's just great. Because, I mean, we love spending time with them, but it's nice to know, oh, they're going now, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but uh, my, uh, we have uh, our, the one five year old, uh, Roman. Uh, he's just a wild, wild man, and on the third, the third day of kindergarten, he fell off the uh, monkey bars, and he broke his wrist, and it was like, oh my gosh, and my daughter lives, uh, she was working in Rochester, we only lived two minutes from the school, so we were racing over there, and uh, we were both upset, but I said to Joanne, I said, we knew this day was coming, because Roman is a wild man, I mean, he jumps on stuff, he's climbing on stuff, and uh, so this is hopefully not more broken bones. But the interesting thing is at the hospital, uh, they were telling us, and we just, he just went and got uh, the first cast off. And the doctor was explaining to us that, because uh, she was showing us the uh, x-rays, and the bones don't look like perfectly aligned. And she said, though, that in young people, because when I broke mine, I had to wind up getting an operation. Uh, with young people, though, uh, especially five-year-olds, she was telling me that the bone is going to fill in, and actually the bone will be stronger uh, after the break because it'll, it'll align itself by filling more of the bone in. I'm just like, holy cow, that's amazing. And it's actually, you know, something that I want to talk to you about is that, you know, Roman little, little children, their bones are resilient. Even when they break, uh, they're resilient in that they'll uh, come into alignment uh, much easier than an older person's bone uh, and uh, they'll actually be stronger afterwards. And if, if ever we need something called resilience, it's in our day, it's today, it's, it's the world that we live in. We need the quality of resilience because it's been a very difficult two years. I mean, it's uh, a little over that now, but it's just been, it's been crazy. You know, it's, uh, uh, people are filled with anxiety. They're filled with, uh, you know, some depression and, uh, and fear because and it, it, things just keep on changing. I mean, we all had to go home. The kids, were, the kids weren't in school. And, and then it seemed, like, it seemed like everything was changing day to day. We don't know what's going on. And it also feels like our world is changing uh, uh, every day and just in a, in a more rapid pace uh, than ever. And it's kind of hard to get your bearings on it. Uh, and I found also in the, in the last two years or so that even in our personal lives, uh, you know, if it can, if it can kind of go wrong uh, or be shaken out, it, it will be, you know, so, you know, hold on tight because I, I just seen, you know, pastors and just people in our lives where, you know, crisis is hitting, relational crises, financial crises, and uh, we need resilience. We need the, resilience is, uh, it's the, it's the quality 
uh, of being able to bounce back or to uh, come back to the form that you originally were. When great trauma is put on you, that you're, that you're able to, uh, you know, come back to the way God originally created you. And uh, we, people who thrive and not just survive in, in, the, uh, in the world that we're living and as, and as uh, followers of Jesus, they have resilience. They have the ability to bounce back, uh, to retake their, their Joanne, I need my, uh, I need my prop. <clears throat> I forgot to get them. Uh, We'll try. He'll bounce back if he doesn't. Um, I want to show you the, uh, the everyday. We actually did that, right? That was really something. Yeah. Um, I should play football. And so, yeah, you too. Um, this, uh, this is for anybody's life, but, you know, especially for pastors. Uh, I'm going to be doing a pastor's conference next week. Uh, but I wanted to bring my stretch Armstrong to you because isn't life, you know, life can be like this, right? Where it just, uh, you know, it just, I should have, Joanne, you should come up and uh, you could pull his uh, toes. Um, because life has a way, right, of, uh, you know, everything's going good, and then all of a sudden, it's not anymore, right? It's going good till it's not. Because uh, things happen. You lose a job. Uh, you know, you, you get a, diagnose, a diagnosis with, uh, one, about 12 or 13 years ago, uh, Joanne got a diagnosis. They told us over the phone, uh, you don't have a concussion, but you do have a brain tumor. Everything changes. We can't... We, we can't uh, uh, control life that you know think you know things happen it can get it can get really crazy my uh, my grandchildren love this one uh, if I can if I can get them but I mean my stretch Armstrong guy here just he can you know life can really get uh, can get tied up in knots you know uh, yeah and you could be you might be here today and uh, you're saying yep that's uh, that's not only stretch that's me you know and uh, because life that can happen and it here's the thing I got a little secret for you I'm glad the uh, worship leader said something. Uh, it happens to believers. It happens to sons and daughters of God. You see, because if, if, and there have been times in my life uh, where I thought, once I'm a Christian, everything should just go smoothly. Did it feel that way? In fact, I think a lot of preachers, and I've done it, I used to preach that, in fact, I, you know, that everything should go good. And, and we, we've done such a good job of that that you almost feel like ashamed when you get sick or when you suddenly lose a job or your teenage uh, child is doing crazy things that teenagers do. Uh, when the trauma hits, instead of, instead of the, uh, being resilient, bouncing back, we actually get more deformed. Because we think there's something wrong with our Christianity. There's something wrong with God. There's something wrong with me. Because, uh, because I'm not uh, doing what Stretch will do here. He'll, he'll get back. He's, well, he's pretty bent out of shape right now. But he'll, he'll, he'll come back to life. And, uh, you know, the Bible... Now, this isn't going to work, Joey. And then what? No, I think I got it. Just hold on one second. I think I should have this down. Uh, again, so if, if, I don't, if I don't know that bad things are going to happen, because I wanted to read out of the Bible, James 1.3, uh, it says, Consider pure joy, uh, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, do you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, which is kind of a, a, twin, a twin brother of uh, resilience. 
uh, and listen to this, uh, pers- let, per- let perseverance finish its work so, you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. There's one translation that says, to greet your problems like they're old friends knocking on the door. How many of us do that? Like, you know, problems are coming. I'm whining, right? I'm like, why is this happening to me? Oh, no, this is happening again. But problems are part of the normal Christian life. As a matter of fact, problems are part of life. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, whether you're a son or a daughter or not a son or a daughter of God, problems, sometimes serious, life-altering problems will, will, will hit our lives even when we're believers. That's why, again, in, in the book of Proverbs, uh, there's, there's a proverb that says, uh, uh, the, the righteous man, though a righteous man falls seven times, uh, he he gets you know he gets up. I have I, I, maybe I'll try to get you the, the right way to say that if I can. But uh, isn't that interesting? I was like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, uh, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But uh, the right. Wait 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 wait. The righteous? I thought that's got to be a misprint, right? Shouldn't it be the unrighteous fall and the righteous? See, if I'm doing everything right, I better I, I shouldn't be falling. It, it should be the unrighteous. The people who are doing things wrong, who aren't lined up with God. But if I'm lined up with God, right, shouldn't life go easier? Shouldn't we be blessed? But yet it says seven times, and I'm not a big numbers guy, but I know that seven is more than seven. So really it's saying, though the righteous man falls, and he falls, and she falls, and they fall, and they fall, and they fall. The difference, what really makes the difference is the righteous get up. The righteous, they're resilient. They bounce back after great trauma and pressure are put on them. They come back to the form that our creator formed us for and, and the, way, the way he wants us to be, to do what he's called us to do on the earth. It's, uh, you know, and, and when you see that James, that James verse where it actually is mature, complete, not lacking anything, that's why James is basically saying, hey, bring it on. Bring on the problems because I know this is going to make me more like Jesus. It's these problems are going to transform me into the image of God's Son. So bring them on. See, and I have found, and it, it, this is kind of a scary thing, uh, that it seems like, in my life at least, that uh, the problems continue to escalate. Like, you know, they get, like, bigger. They hit, they hit areas of life that I wish they wouldn't hit. You know, uh, they hit my children. Because it's like, hit me. I'll take it. But when you're hitting my kids, it's like, oh. And it's like, but what, what's really happening there in this progressive thing is it's just, it's, it's my Father in heaven is saying, you can handle this one because it's going to get you ready for the next one. And here's what it does. When we are resilient, when we are able to bounce back, uh, it, it also is a great like testimony. It's a message to the people around us that we can handle problems better than anybody else in the world. Because when you're handling a serious life-altering problem with, you know, kind of grace, maybe not with ease, because even when you recognize that God has, uh, you know, kind of allowed you to have this, you know, walk through this thing, uh, it's going to be painful, it hurts, but we're able to do it kind of with a positive outlook, knowing that God is using this to, to add things to our life, to make us mature, not lacking anything, because resilience is, what it is, is uh, there's an inner structure 
that God wants to develop in us so that we can be uh, successful at the Christian life. We can be successful. I need my water now, Joanne. I'm sorry. Wow. When when you're not with me, it's just like, it's just a nightmare. (laughs) That was good, wasn't it? I just got points for that. um, Because here's the thing. Again, if if, if I have the attitude that when I have a problem, God doesn't love me as much as uh, people who don't seem to have problems. I'm in, I'm, I'm in trouble with that because uh, I'm not going to, if everything was always going right, now that sounds wonderful, but the thing is then I'm not dealing with, I'm not, I'm not uh, adding the structures into my life to make me mature and complete so that I can do what it is that God called me to do. If I, if I, I, some of it's the fruit of the spirit that he, that, that love, the joy, the peace, the patience, uh, you know, that long suffering. It's, uh, it's the stuff that, the stuff that gives you stamina to finish the race, to finish the course, to finish what God has called you to do. Because every one of us has the calling of God. Every one of us has a destiny of God, but we need resilience. The thing that separates us from the people who don't thrive is resilience, you know, because most of us, especially in American churches, we don't need more of the Bible. We know so much more that we're, we're, we're taught so much that we're chronically disobedient because there's no way we can obey everything we know, right? We, you know, we, we probably don't need prayer. I mean, you're praying every day, you're doing a special prayer meeting and worship and worship and all. And, uh, but what we do need is something called resilience. That even though we may get knocked down, we don't get knocked out. Even though, even though we may, it may seem like the devil is trying to destroy us, we are not destroyed. We are. We know that we can, we can move. We can move on. But it takes resilience. We need the we need the courage, which goes along with resilience, to be able to step out in faith. Even though these things are happening to me, uh, I need to be able to step out in faith. In order to do that, I have to have courage. And to have courage means that you have some character. You have, you, 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 have, you have to have the Word of God truly in you, not just that you know it, but when you have the Word of God in you and it's part of you where you, you've meditated on it, you're squeezing out every ounce of nutritional value out of that, that you're digesting it into your soul and into your spirit, not just your brain, but it goes into your heart, your soul, your spirit, so that when the time comes to do something, you can step out, you have the courage to act and act now because you've got truly the mind of God. You're not, uh, you see, and you're resilient in that you've, you're, you're overcoming problems in that even with the problem, I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do. But if, if I'm always thinking that when problems happen, I have a lack of faith, God doesn't love me, I slip into a kind of a victim mentality, you know, and I just have a lot of sour grapes. Uh, so why don't we uh, practice and strengthen the muscles of resiliency. I, 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 you, know, you don't hear much about that. What, if we spent as much time complaining about what's going on in life, uh, in building the muscles and the, the practices and routines of, of that resiliency, if we spent as much time, even, I know this, this may sound uh, heretical, but as you know, much time like, uh, praying for it to go away and instead say what's this doing for me if we took James right and we said how is this making me more mature 
What's, what might God be building in me through this problem? What kind of, what, you know, what, what kind of stuff, what am I missing that you're, that you're allowing me to walk through this? I mean, just think about that. What kind of people we would be, and I know here you're probably already there, and I'm just telling you my story, but uh, what kind of people we would be if we, if we really dug in and said, I'm, I'm going to be a resilient person. No, no, no matter how many knots, you know, no matter how many bad reports come my way, no matter what diagnosis I get, I'm going to let this form me into the image of Jesus that I'm going to take the actions, I'm going to make the choices that will build strength and courage into my life so that no, no problem, nothing that is thrown at me will be able to take me down and keep me there because I know that resilience comes. I'm going to, I want to share with you with some of the time that we have left here. Uh, well, I, can't, I probably won't get to four things, but a few, a few ways that we can actually... Uh, hey, this thing is just bothering me. I, I'm new at the... Uh, being cool with a um, uh, electronics up here, but now I'm an old man trying to figure out uh, what. How does this thing work? There we go. Uh, it's there's a few things I wanted. To, um, the first one I would say. Well, let me give you. There's four things that I work on. Calling or vision develops resiliency. Faithfulness from like think the story of the talents. Uh, got to, I'm just trying to give you the four now. I'm going to start talking. I'm, gratitude, which is probably the most important, and humility. Calling, faithfulness, uh, gratitude, and humility. Here's a, a talk about vision just a little bit. Because vision, because when you get hit and you're deformed, right, you're, you're, you're down. And if you don't have a vision, a, a God-inspired vision of a, it's a preferred future. It's, it's God telling Moses, you're going you're gonna to set my people free, and you're going to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And it sounds like a breakfast commercial or something, right? You know, but just an awesome place, right? That key, what, what, you need that in your life. What's the preferred future? What is God saying to you individually as a church? You've got to have, that, you gotta have that, that, that picture of the kingdom of God is coming, not just, not just on Sunday morning. Because for me, the, the, the best service in the world is when it's happening on Monday morning, right? But, but what, what is it that God wants this place and you to do in your sphere of influence? That's vision, because that, that reaches into the future. Now, true vision, right, that's Holy Spirit inspired, it's going to create momentum, which creates advancement, which creates growth, and it's maintained through spiritual warfare, because the devil doesn't want you to take that ground. The devil doesn't want you to be positive. The devil doesn't want you. He wants you deformed. He wants you so out of uh, encouragement that you're so discouraged that you've given up. And too, too many people in the church, too many of us have given up. Because of things that have been, we've been hit with. And it might, you might not show it all the way, but we give up in certain areas. Like, like it can be in relational areas where we have unforgiveness in our heart. That things that have happened in relationships and we just write people off. Because I, I'm not doing this anymore. You know? And so, so we're deformed in that area. And there's, there's other areas where uh, you know, personally we can kind of be deformed and kind of out of the, out of the game on. And we, what vision does, it says, no matter where I am, that's where God is taking me. And what it reaches into view, it affects, let's put it this way. Here's what you, if, uh, 
you know, the winter's going to come here and we're all going to put on, you know, 10, 15 pounds during the winter. Then all of a sudden about, you know, April, we're going to be thinking about setting up the pool again, uh, going to the beach and we're looking down like, oh my goodness, you know, nobody's going to see this. And what do we do? We have a vision that we're going to be, you know, you know, we're going to be ripped when we go, when we go to the beach or my, you know, we have the, the, the people for pool parties and stuff, we are going to be ripped. And, uh, and so we have that vision, you know, and usually the vision of being ripped is way more than it should be. But we got it anyway, but that affects my life on what, when I'm going to the refrigerator, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I don't want to, I want to look good, you know, and, and it affects my life today. And see, when you have, when, for me, vision gets us up in the morning. It's because no matter what's happening, see, I hit the storm, uh, no matter what's happening in the storm, I know what's my next step to get to the vision. Even though it's breaking loose all around me, if I have vision, if I have a destination, if I have this place where God wants to take me, I get up in the morning and I do it. If I don't have vision, I'm more lost in the storm than, um, than I've ever been. If you're finding yourself lost or feeling confused or what's next, it's like, what's the vision? What's God calling you to? Because every single one of us, I want you to know you have a calling of God. You've got destiny. You're the dream that God had for this region, for your sphere. He had a dream, and you were created. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. God never counts us out. There, you know, people say, oh, I've done this, I've done that. You know, I've been, ma- I've been I've, I've married, divorced. Well, there was this woman in the Bible uh, that was married five times, and now she's with another guy. I mean, she was a busy woman, you know, but uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus was, was uh, explaining and, and bringing her into her calling and her destiny. And this woman who nobody would expect would do anything, uh, God had a dream for her, and the whole town there is totally transformed. Don't count yourself out doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how you were conceived. I'm telling you that God wants to give you vision, and that vision will give you resilience. Because every time you're hit, you know, God, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than this problem. God will use this problem. I'm moving forward. Don't count yourself out. Don't leave the church. Don't, don't leave your, your position in the body of Christ. That don't allow yourself to be handicapped and, uh, you know, where the, where the devil is, uh, is trying to destroy and handicap you and, and, just, and just count you out. No. No matter where you are, God wants to use you. No matter what you've done, no matter, no matter what's happening to you, there's something in there, that vision. You know, and uh, problems just help us with that. Re, uh, let me see here. Um, where can we go? Well, I can talk, I can talk to you about in, in Herkimer when we were pastoring there. We were building a building, and because uh, God, God really told us things. Uh, and the, uh, the architect gave us, I mean, plans, you know, like eight, eight nine pages, uh, because vision has plans, right? We, we saw this building. I remember when the architect brought us a model, we were all like, oh, you know, like, look at the model, you know. And, uh, but about three-eighths of the way through the building process, our builder left us. Yeah, left. I mean, left with our money, like $25,000, $20,000. And so we were like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, because we had already sold our building, had a contract that we had to be out by a certain time. And, uh, but we kept on going. We just built it with volunteers because we had a plan. We had a vision that we were going to be in this building and that these are things we're going to do in this building. And so, right, Joanne, I mean, uh, uh, everybody, we, we lived in that building for six weeks. I mean, it was just like, because we, and people came from all over New York State to help us. Why? Because we had a vision. 
You don't have a vision. How can God supply you with, uh, with stuff? If you don't, he's going to give you all stuff for what? So you can sit around and uh, go to church on Sunday? No. That, it's, you know, it, it, the vision gets me up in the morning. Vision, vision creates that momentum. You got to have, you know, take some time to think about uh, what it is that God has called you to because vision brings re- resilience. Uh, let's talk about faithfulness. So we have vision uh, helps us. We're going to practice vision is just seeking God on where, where, does he, where does he want to take you. And then there's faithfulness. And I get this faithfulness thing comes from Matthew 25, 21, that story, the talents, where he gives five talents, kind of like the bags of money, five talents, two talents, one talent. Uh, he's giving them resources, right? And uh, then he comes back. They come back because uh, the, the master comes back to see, what would you do with what I gave you? That's a scary thing, right? Because uh, God is going to, uh, what are you doing with what I gave you? And uh, listen to what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also had, he received two talents. God said the same thing to the two talents. Exact same thing. It's not how much you have. It's what you do with what you got. See, I know that's bad English probably, but, uh, but it works. It uh, gets you thinking. Right? So, um, the, the interesting thing about this, this, it's a story, it's a parable, but there's no miracles. None. It was two guys being faithful. Faithful means doing the day in, day out routines and rituals that would make them successful in multiplying the resources that God gave them. It, it, that blows my mind. Because, you know, we're Pentecostals. We're into miracles. We're into God is going to save the day. And here's Jesus teaching, hey, if you're faithful, you're going to be happy. If you do the little things day in and day out, because they, it says they, they, they rushed off. I think it was like they, you know, right away put that, put that stuff to work. Day in and day out on what God has called you to do. Day in and day out. That is that is the one of the huge things of resilience because you're doing the stuff that God is expecting you to do with what He gave you. See, it's not just it's not just we're, gonna, we're just going to pray and uh, you know we're just going to wait for uh, you know God the magician the the wizard uh, you know rub the lamp three times and then we get our wishes. No, the guys who got to enter into the joy and also more they got more to do because productivity is is what we're wired for that you know we're wired to be productive to produce to have to have good outcomes but it, you know and he's checking hey what are you what are you doing with my stuff because the guy who didn't do anything he just protected that thing right that guy it puts fear in me of what jesus said about him like you know uh, i don't even want to read it to you but here's the thing you want to develop resilience, start doing stuff every day in what God has called you to do. Find some place, find some, that vision thing, that destiny thing, and, and just do the practices. Faithfulness, uh, I think it's also, faithfulness also has to do with uh, trust, uh, that he trusts us with resources. But if we're not using the resources that God gave us, he's not going to trust us with more resources. He's looking down, he's like, well, you're praying a lot for this and that and that, but you're, you're not doing anything with the resources. 
I mean, because the prayer moves things. Prayer does work. I'm not against prayer. I think we should be praying, be asking God, talking to God. But then there comes an action step. There's got to be a place where we, we're doing stuff day in, day out. Sometimes, that's, sometimes it's, it's just like that, too. And, and we can get lost in the drudgery, you know, sometimes, you know. But there's places in the walk with God where it's just day after day. But the, the day of reckoning comes where if you're faithful, if you've been trustworthy with what God gave you, he says, I'm going to give you some more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bless you with more. And you know what? You can be joyful with me. You can have, you can have joy. Which, all, which, which brings us to, we had vision, we have faithfulness, uh, and then it brings us to the one that's easy to do, and it almost sounds trite, but I hope I can show you that it, if you need resilience, if you need a change of uh, kind of atmosphere in your life, it's gratitude. Gratitude. You know, and I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I, I grew up in a New York metropolitan area, uh, and, and uh, I can lean towards... Uh, not only these, sometimes I fall over into a little bit of being cynical. Yeah, show me. Okay, yeah, show me. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I need a, I need some proof here. You know, you know, being a Pentecostal, it's like oh, okay, okay, yeah, people falling down. Uh, yeah, let, let, let me see the X-rays on that. Uh, you know, I, and uh, but that you know, there's a place for that a little bit, but it brings you into place of negativity, and uh, it, it brings you into a place where. Uh, when the chips are down, it's much more difficult to bounce back because you're not acting the way God would want us to act. Because gratitude, uh, the practice of gratitude, in fact, uh, literally, they have studies now where they've st studying the brain. Gratitude, just saying, being thankful, actually changes our brain. And uh, old people, let me tell you this, that when, when we get old, I'm saying we, uh, uh, our brains become more rigid. But gratitude is actually a lubricant for the older brain. Now, and also, you can be a 25-year-old and have the brain of a 65-year-old because you're whining and complaining and, you know, you have, you have no gratitude. It makes what, it, what, what, what that, the lack of gratitude takes away when our brains get older, uh, they become more rigid. And what happens is that, that uh, creative expression that God has placed in every single one of us, it, it's not there because we're, we're, we're being negative, we're, we're, on a different, we're on a different zone, and also the brain has changed. It's starting to change where it's just not there. But you can, you can become, older people can, uh, with the practice of gratitude, and all the more for younger people, uh, become young brains. In fact, Erwin uh, McManus, he's a pastor out in uh, Hollywood, California, he says that uh, people without gratitude are dumber. You know, and he even says, I know that's not politically correct, but they're just dumber. And people with gratitude, our brains are sharper because it, it allows the flow of God in our lives. I mean, the Bible knows this. I mean, well, I, I could, well, uh, let me read you a couple. Expressing, this is a, from a study, a doctor, so it's got to be right. Expressing gratitude can positively change your brain. Positively change your brain. Uh, says this is Kristen Francis, a psychiatrist. Uh, it boosts dopamine. Mm, that's a, one of those... Good drugs. It's, you know, it's already in there. You're not taking it. It produces dopamine and serotonin, the neurotransmitters in the brain that improves your mood, 
immediately giving you those positive feelings of pleasure, happiness, and well-being. So next time uh, you're in a fight with your wife, uh, just tell her, would you take a shot of dopamine, please? You know, uh, serotonin. You got to change your mood here, you know? But it, it actually does. Uh, I got another one. Gratitude increases mental strength. For years, research has shown gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. A 2006 study published in Behavior Research Therapy found that Vietnam veterans with high levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, they found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Uh, so it gives you a shot of dopamine and a swig of serotonin, which is the happy drug. Uh, now, you're all probably saying, what is he talking about, the drugs? Uh, it's in the Bible. We, we, we actually didn't need the 2006 studies, and actually now there's even more uh, studies on this type of thing. The Bible says, uh, Paul says in Thessalonians, I think chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? I got the secret. Be thankful, rejoice. Hey, that's worth it right there. I should just shut up now, right? Uh, it's... Uh, Let's go. I mean, that's, that's what Paul, now Paul, think about Paul. He's writing in Philippians. When he's writing Philippians, he's in, a, he's in jail. He's probably looking at the end of his life. I think it was in Philippians where he said, I'm, gonna be, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And yet in Philippians, 10 times in four little chapters, 10 times he says the word rejoice or joy. 10 times. It's the chapter where he says, listen, if you don't have any, if you, know, if you say anything, let it be good, perfect, excellent, you know, uh, you know, for the good of people. You know, uh, this is Paul. Now, this is the guy who, I mean, had a lot of problems. This guy needed to be resilient. And he knew that the, the secret to resilience is praise and thankfulness. He's, he, he gets... Uh, he gets beaten, uh, with, dragged out to the end of the city, beaten with rods. Uh, he's, he could be dead. They get around him. I don't know if they pray or not. And uh, he gets up. Now, if I got up from that, I'd be like, uh, let's, uh, let's go back to the hotel. <laughs> I need a rest here, you know. What does Paul do? Because he's resilient. He right back into the city, right back into the place where the guys were beating him. With rods. How about the time when Paul, uh, he was doing, preaching the gospel and with Silas, and they, again, stripped them, and they, they flogged them. Now, we read these like, as stories, but that's, this is not good, right? This is painful stuff. And uh, then they, they put them in prison, in the inner prison, which that would mean to me, like, it's got to be really bad in there, you know? And they're in stocks. I mean, that's got to be uncomfortable. And what does Paul do? He's with Silas. They're in stocks. And the stocks and feet, I'm, I always picture it like this, you know, when their feet done. And Paul's like, let's sing some hymns like, you're out of your mind. Sing some hymns, you know? Like, like well, I think we need to just do a Facebook mass thing, you know? Like, let's, we can evangelize through Facebook, through email. Paul's like, no, 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 no. God's up to something. And he's also probably realizing, well, I'm slipping into a little bit of, uh, you know, fear here. And I know Silas, I've already lost him. And he said, I know, I know the answer to fear and anxiety and being trapped is get into the presence of God with thankfulness and rejoicing. And he starts he start singing, and you know, you probably, mostly probably know the story. They're, they're basically broken out of prison, you know, and people are getting saved through it. Uh, but more, he's shipwrecked. He's a night and a day in the sea. He gets, uh, he gets bitten by a viper. I mean, this guy, and he just shakes it off. This, this is the guy who's writing, give thanks in all things. Everything that he's been through, he's going to be martyred. As a matter of fact, most of the apostles, if you don't think 
you know, Christians should have uh, problems. Most of the apostles, from what they say, died a martyr's death. If you don't think Christians should have problems, what do we do with all the people like in China and places and, and other places where they kill Christians and persecute Christians? What do, what do we do with all that? See, one of the reasons why we need resilience right now in America uh, is because we're not used to problems not being solved right away. You know, we're not, we're not used to chaos. We're not used to a little bit of suffering along the way because we're Americans. We do everything bigger and better, don't we? Huh? I don't know. Right now, we're struggling, right? Through these two years, like, we'll get rid of this virus, you know? Some of us say, some of us go, it doesn't really exist, you know? <laughs> Whatever it takes, let's get rid of it because uh, we're, we, live in a, we live in an environment where we're supposed to just overcome everything right now. But that's not what God's trying to do. It's uh, this gratitude thing actually changes us. So I'm gonna, just the challenge is in the morning and at night, just, just write down if you can or just say it, just stop and give three things that you're thankful for. It, if you do it in the morning, it sets your day on a positive note. It's in the presence of God. At night, you can go to sleep. Because maybe all sorts of crazy things happen, but there's still things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for that I'm a son of God. And I'm thankful that I was born in America. I'm not, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I've been overseas. I thank God I could have been born anywhere, right? God put me here. Thank you. you know, I, I, so there's always something, there's always things to be thankful for. And it'll, it'll change your, the atmosphere of your life in here, which changes everything. If you change the heart, you change everything. It's, it's just amazing. And then uh, let's do one more uh, humility. Is that the last one? It might be. Because this, uh, this is a big one. This really helped me. Because I've been playing with this... Uh, because I realized, man, you know, this last, the last two years have been like H-E-double-L, you know, like it's, it's been tough. It's tough on pastors, and uh, I have a responsibility to help pastors, encourage pastors, and it's like, who, who would want a pastor when we can't meet in the building, you know? It's like, and can't go visit sick people, and, and just, and then, and then who would want a pastor when uh, one group in the church is saying, uh, we have to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, you're killing me. And the other group is saying, we're not going to be bound by fear. We're, you know, we're not, we're not going to take that on. And you know, people leaving the church over it, no matter what a pastor did, does, they're wrong. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. Uh, and, then, and, you know, and then just stuff in people's lives and personal lives, it just, it's going crazy. But humility, this really helped me. Like, uh, Paul said, um, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being, on, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others." Stay, just stay with me. I know I'm reading a lot, but this is just really cool stuff. I think it's one of the best passages in the Bible. Of course, anytime I preach, I say the one I'm preaching is the best passage in the Bible. But no, this really is a classic. In your relations with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, he's in the nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. 
This is what Paul wants us to, he wants us to do. By taking the very nature of a human, of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he, this is Jesus, the son of the living God, he humbled himself and becoming obedient. I mean, that's, that's true humility, where he's obedient. He's doing the stuff that he knows he needs to do, even to death on a the cross. There, then, look at this. If you humble yourself, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, earth, under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, I find that humility is a weapon. When we take the low road, because Jesus went as, as low as you can go. Even somehow he went to Sheol, which I think is hell. I know, but he, when he was, in those days that he was gone, he went all the way down there. The reason why he had to go so low, because he'll go lower than any of us ever go in order to lift us up. Amen. You see, now if Jesus is emptying himself of all his privileges and advantages of heaven and being God, and he's saying to us, Paul's saying to us, can we all do that? Or, or are we, we going to use our, like our position to get an advantage over somebody else? Are we going to hold grudges uh, because we think we've been, and maybe we were, unjustly dealt with? No, Paul's saying, listen, there's, way, there's, there's something way bigger going on here, that we win by losing. Because Jesus lost. He was crucified. I mean, again, we make a religious thing out of it. Some, some parts of our Christian heritage actually have uh, necklaces with Jesus still on there. Like, so it, like, it, it, uh, it, it cleans it all up, right? It makes it all up. But we're talking about execution, a criminal's death. That's how low he went. And the challenge is, see, humility comes from the word uh, earth or soil. So, uh, I think it's even connected to what, uh, I didn't say the somersault thing. Well, well, um, it's connected to Adam. What Jesus, Jesus it's, what he did is he, he, he got down to the lowest level. You know, uh, when, whenever I'm in a group uh, and there's group pictures being taken, you know, I, 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 I try to stand in the back, but it doesn't work. You know, uh, this, people ask where I grew up. This is it, man. I didn't grow up anywhere. I only got to five, six, and it stopped, you know. And, uh, uh, but so, you know, now I know, just, just go to the front. So, you know, if there's kids there, I'm going I'm to be with the kids line, okay? You know, uh, because, because just, take, just low, take the low road early, because otherwise they're saying, hey, you, shorty, yeah, you, a uh, uh, little stub there, okay, come you're up front, we want to be able to see your face. You know, this, this, this is a, but when, you're, when you take the low road, you, there's, there, you, then you can't be knocked down, because you're already there. You see, humility is that we have no entitlements. It's not, because it's not, um, you've you got to be, uh, well, should we be doormats? Yes and no. You know, there's a, there's a tension there. But the, the, the thing for me that helped me was realizing, oh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to have no expectations. But my expectation is God will take care of me. And see, the weapon is when I, when I go low, the devil has nothing in me, or he has no advantage in me. He has no leverage in me. 
and God can do whatever he wants with me. And I'm in that, in, in the place of submission, there's such power in that place because you ha- you're realizing I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose because it's all, it's all God. I'm pouring it out just like Jesus did. And then you're free. There's peace in that place. And in, in that place of peace, you, the resilience, you're bouncing back because God, God is, is, is pouring into you and you're going to bounce back. Now, you, you, you may have pain, you may have suffering, you may have sorrow, but through all that, you're still going to be able to do what God called you to do because he's building in all that, he's building the structures with the things that we're talking about, with vision and with uh, gratitude and with faithfulness and with humility. He wants men and women of strength of character which is something that seems to be sorely missing in our world today. But we, we have the privilege of going low, of, 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 and we're doing it. Paul says, do it for each other. Don't use somebody else's mistakes as an, uh, to take advantage of their mistakes or to, to talk about them or to, or to like, like hold something against them. We all make mistakes. You know, I've been in this for a while. One of the things I realize and, is that, you know, everybody's got their stuff. Your stuff might be different than my stuff, but you got stuff because we're humans. We're human beings. And, 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 and yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're in this process of sanctification, but it does, we're not going to be fully sanctified until we're with him. It'll be a glorious day. But why would, why would we go? Humility is I'm not going to hold your mistakes as, as, as uh, grievous as some of the mistakes somebody makes in relationships. Humility says I, I, I'm not going to use that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm putting that aside. Now, again, I know there's a lot you could like, pick at here, but it, it, will they take, will they take, one time, will they take advantage of us? Yes, sometimes they will, just like they took advantage of Jesus. But in the end, you're, gonna be, you're stronger. Because if you want to get rid of anxiety, empty yourself. I have no more expectations. I have faith for the future because God's given me vision, but I have no expectations. I'm just going to walk humbly before my God. I have no expectations of the people around me. I've just, uh, my, my, I guess my expectation is in, is in God. It's not in what I think the outcome should be. Because sometimes we pray with such arrogance that we think we know every outcome. Well, sometimes we don't know everything. It doesn't mean I'm not praying. It means my prayer is a conversation with my father. Just about life and about what I'm going through. And in that, he's building that that inner strength that every one of us needs to do the things that God has called us to do. We're desperate for this thing called resilience because it will cause you to thrive. You start, you start acting in humility where you let go of the expectations that you have with the people around you. Let go of the faults and even sins that they've committed and just walk with God. Worry about yourself. And your, and your creator. That's humility. And with Jesus, that, that lifted him to the highest place. When we get before the cross we all, and live it, not just, not just at a prayer meeting before the cross, the cross is daily, daily not holding people's stuff against them, daily not using our position in some way as an advantage to us and a disadvantage to others. It's when you put it into practice. Same thing with gratitude. When you put gratitude into practice, then the stuff of resilience begins to happen in our lives.
So let me, uh, I just want to pray for us, and I'll turn it back over, and, uh, let, but let's pray together. Let's do that. Let's, let's close our eyes because it helps us concentrate. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for the worship today. Your, the presence that you brought to us uh, is life-changing. And Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would move in this, in, in individuals in this place. Father, we're, we're, we are desperate for resilience. Um, I'm asking, Lord, for those that have been hit hard in their life, broken relationships, children going wayward on us, and uh, health, health problems, and you, Lord, disappointments and discouragement and disillusionment that, we, we, that hits us and has kept us down, kept us, kept us wrapped up in knots like Stretch Armstrong. Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit give us, give the strength, give the strength to practice the gratitude, strength to practice humility, strength to be faithful day in and day out in the little things. Help us, Father. Father, I'm asking you to touch hearts that are broken, that there's some, some people here that they don't have the energy to do anything that I'm talking about, but I'm asking you, Lord, to bring an anointing, bring a, bring a fresh anointing, a fresh flow of your Spirit into their life to give them, Lord, that energy to be able to begin to do one thing, to be able to, to, be able to have some gratitude to begin that walk to being formed back, to being bouncing back into the person you created them to be. Lord, that not one person, we bind the devil in this place uh, around that, that tries to discourage us to the point of giving up. God, Father, we, we release your power and strength into our lives that we can walk through anything with you. I ask you to bless this place, bless the pastor, bless the former pastors. Lord, you, what a legacy in this place. Continue it, Lord. Expand it. Uh, bless the leaders and all who serve here. Lord, to do awesome things in this region. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God. This podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you would like to learn more about us, visit us on our website at zionfellowship.net. Blessings to you as you continue your day.